This is the Shift Podcast. Rob Faye filling in for Shane. Not sure if you're ready to travel again. How does a trip to Antarctica sound? Not offering it, but travel expert Claire Neural has now been to every continent on this fine planet. She shares her Arctic expedition with us and gives us a better perspective on Canada's travel industry throughout 2022. Handy Andy brings us his Cyber Monday deals that you can catch all week long. Our do-it-yourself expert tells us how to catch a mouse in your house as well. And are you okay with eating competitions? This is the Shift Podcast. I'm not sure if everybody even knows what this is, to be honest with you. But gentlemen, are you okay with side hustles? Uh, I don't have time for a side hustle. <laughs> I just really don't. I'd love to maybe put together some stuff on TikTok or social media, but it's just, I don't know. I don't have time. Shane's trying to do it right now is selling some stuff on the internet. That's going super well from him. I just, I, I just don't have the time or the effort to put into a side hustle. I respect people that do it, but I work. I'm happy with my 40 hours a week. I'll keep it there. Side hustle. By the way, for those who don't know, a side hustle is you have your primary job and then you're trying to pick up a couple of bucks on the side with a side hustle. Yeah, I've done the multiple official jobs or at least like contract works at the same time. I had like four jobs before the pandemic. All going at the same time, and they're all contract jobs and stuff, so self-employed and everything like that. But like, when it comes to like doing online stuff, no. When you have four jobs, you just you don't got time for that. Well, I can tell you this: there's an Arizona teacher who decided that she was going to start up the old side hustle, but you know what? Ended up being a pretty bad choice. She started an OnlyFans. Ah, yes, Arizona Teachers for the win. If you're unfamiliar with OnlyFans, Ryan tells me that it's a subscription-based platform where you pay, where you pay to see well, you could pee in certain anyway, where you pay to see sexually explicit content. Not only did Samantha Pierce start up an account for it, she filmed her content at school. She was sharing these links to her sex site on her social media accounts, which are public which children follow her. Christina Miner, a mom at the school, says she found the teacher's explicit content. And it says, who wants to be my next teacher's pet? Um, Wearing her school t-shirt. She uses her school photo that was taken for the yearbook. On OnlyFans. There have been no charges filed at the Lake Havasu Police Department, but even if it's not exactly criminal, parents are disgusted. Our kids shouldn't have been exposed to this. I'm absolutely outraged. I'm a taxpayer and I'm not paying these teachers to film pornography. They're being paid to teach our kids and set higher standards for them. The parents also upset with how Lake Havasu Unified School District handled the incident. They received a message saying, it has come to our attention that students have been airdropping explicit material. The images did not happen during the school day and the person depicted no longer works for LHUSD. Please remove all images from your child's phone and talk with them about the appropriate use of technology. Any child who's normal, when they see a picture like that of their teacher would share that picture that's a normal response to uh to (laughs) to the information you receive as a child 
<laughs> of course it is. Every kid that sees, look at the nude of the teacher, they're going to share that. Every kid. Dude, 100%. I am not putting that on my phone at all. Last thing I need to do is have anything to do with that one. I do not need a digital footprint attached to my teacher. There's, I would totally not airdrop my teacher's nudies. Are you, but, like, do you think kids are smart enough to think about their yeah. digital footprint? Kids uh. and teens are idiots as oh. was i when i was 13 14 okay years okay old. well i'll tell you what pierre admitted to shooting some scenes at school she said the videos were made on a weekend and there were no children present oh. and now her heights her side hustle has gone bust too on november the 13th pierre announced on social media that her only fans accounts were both deactivated and that she was blocked from making any other accounts the account remains to this conversation gentlemen disabled well, the website allows some users to create pornography or at least pornographic material for an audience for a mild subscription fee. It has rules as to what adult content creators can do. OnlyFans has rules and morals. Well, I don't know about morals, but I mean, I think it's probably good that it has rules. Otherwise, it would yeah. be a Wild West free-for-all. It's already... You know, touchy ground as it is. So it, yeah. exactly, it is touchy ground. And look, there's a difference between like creating a set to use for your thing and literally being like, "I work here. No one's here at this time. It's fine. We'll just use it." Yeah. It's just so wrong on so many levels, yeah. and I cannot believe. The other thing that's worth mentioning here is that her husband also worked at the school, so both of them <laughs> thought this was a great idea. And of was course, she's getting the all the blame put on her. Right, which is unfortunate, but both oh. of them made a horribly stupid decision to yeah. do this in the school. Well, it's like a professional, use the term loosely, but a professional production. <laughs> it needs to get a permit to film places. So yes, yeah. it does. So uh, yeah, she should, she should have got a permit at least. Yeah, yeah and it okay. probably would have been off campus. God. All right, gentlemen, I'm going to be the high class of this conversation. We will move on to our next one. Uh, Gentlemen, are you okay with dinner dates? Oh, dinner dates. I miss dinner dates. Great segue, by the way. Yeah, there you go. Can't have one without the other. Um, <laughs> well, I do miss dinner dates. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm doing long distance right now, and it's one of the weird things that you that you don't really realize how much you're going to miss out on. It's just the nice of, I even miss arguing over where you want to go for dinner. Where do you want to go? I don't know. I'm up for anything. You want to go for Italian? No. Okay. Well, how about sushi? No. I thought you said you're up for anything. I am up for anything. You know, those conversations, I would do anything to have one of those with my partner, Laura, right now. So, yeah, I enjoy the dinner dates. Uh, how long has she gone for, by the way? She's back. Well, well, they're back later this year, but another year after this. So three more semesters. Man, good on you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I now I miss dinner dates because working for the better part of two years, this nine to five, which is not your traditional nine to five, I will say nope. that anytime I have gone out beforehand, it's more like a brunch for me. It's more, you know, it's more like a brunch or a lunch yeah. or something. I haven't had a proper dinner date properly. I mean, you can call it that, but it, it feels like a brunch to me. So, Well, gentlemen, I got a couple I'd like to introduce you to. First of all, the question is, does this sound romantic? Downing a burrito in less than a minute together. This is also for OnlyFans. Anyways, or maybe 15 hot dogs. The Guinness Records found a couple that fell in love over their shared passion for fitness and eating contests. 
the record-keeping organization announcing that Mickey Sudo ate an entire burrito in 31.47 seconds, which nice. broke the previous record by almost a full second. The same day, she broke the record for the most hot dogs eaten in one minute. She downed six which doubled the previous record. She did this all, gentlemen, while her husband was attempting to break his own records. Mickey, the mark to beat was 32.35 seconds. You had a time of 31.47 seconds. It's a new Guinness World Records title. Congratulations. You're officially amazing. Thank you so much. That was so impressive. It was delicious. It looked great. We actually met at the gym on the morning of the largest eating contest on our circuit. I just, I thought I'd be polite, and uh, I went over and introduced myself. Started seeing each other, and fast forward a couple more years, and we got this little guy. Um, Yum, thank you. Eating them competitively is a little bit different than eating them for Guinness World Records. Eat the hot dog down while I'm doing that. Fold this in half, dunk it. And the bun, remember, the bun is a drink. The bun is not food. It is a drink to chase your hot dog. There's so much to take away from that yeah, conversation. I know. There's so much going on here. I'm going to eat as many hot dogs as humanly possible, and then we're going to fornicate, and nine months later, a baby arrives. It's beautiful. Wow. I mean, hey, whatever your connection is, I'm not going to judge them for that. It's just objectively, like, kind of weird. And also, both of them, you can't see it. This is where the medium fails us. They are some of the most physically fit people I've ever seen in my life. Like just, they are ripped both of them. And then it's quite jarring to see in the next shot, them practically inhaling like a vacuum cleaner, a burrito and a hot dog. It's quite, it's quite, um, is impressive. The word I'm looking for. Probably not. No, that's how you get ripped. You need a solid base there. You need the calories to build the muscles. So yeah, that's what they're doing. I think, I think when they have that Nathan's hot dog contest uh, in Coney Island, that, the uh, what's the winner's name so oh, joey chestnut joey chestnut apparently by the time he's done eating he's ingested enough salt for like three weeks of his body yep three weeks and he just hammers through it i i just that is one quote-unquote sport i've never do it by the way miki sudo says they are quote ranked third and fourth in the world at any given contest and we might beat each other by a fraction of an ounce it is a sport. It's on ESPN. It's not a sport. It's, it's on ESPN. It's on. E- so is darts and Hold bowling on. No, and spelling bees. There's spelling bees on ESPN. <laughs> Eating contests are not a sport. Okay. I will die on this hill. Okay, this is a good debate. Okay, but I would say they are a sport because it requires physical training. It requires coaching on how to do it. And there are performance-based tests and competitions to declare a winner by that metric that's pretty similar to most sports and it's on it's on sports television so there's got to be i i would say so it's on sports television because a company like nathan's will buy the airtime espn is not sourcing out the hot dog contest for joy chestnut and further to that sport is where you go and you find the be- Oh god don't make me wrong at this let me think this through real quick okay, <laughs> okay. so they have to physically do something this yep. is a competition and you get ranked yes oh my god is this a sport it kind of see it kind i see where you're coming from rob like you're not wrong in that no it's not a sport but also if you're applying the same lens to other sports 
it's kind of a sport. And I would say uh, most people no. that do this are probably going to tell you that it is a sport. Okay, you know what? Let's let the shift heads decide. 877-399-9898, okay? I want to hear from you. I need help with this because I hate to say it, but Ryan's made a quasi-convincing argument here. I'm not ready to, not ready to fully admit this, but man, that's a... Damn you, Ryan. If it makes you feel any better though, it's on it's on like ESPN six. It's not it's not not on the main mothership, so mothership. That's all they could afford. Oh man. You know what? That we'll we'll let we'll see what the fans say here. Okay, let's go to our next one. Gentlemen, are you okay? Living in the basement. Oh yeah. I oh, did yeah? a long stint in my mom's basement. Long, I mean, I'm a millennial. Of course I did. But the, it's a natural next step in your life, right? Everybody's up on the top floor, and then the oldest gets to go to the basement first. And that's your first little taste of like privacy and having your own space. And it was awesome. And then also, you know, you learn, man, I really have to clean up after myself. Man, I really need to like dust. And it's good training for when you actually do move out and get your own place. So yeah, I mean, I think everybody should spend a stint in 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 the basement. Well, being an older millennial living in Vancouver, I've done several long stints living in other people's basements. Very nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um the lack of daylight. No, not fun usually That's, in most yeah. of them. Yeah. And and the people the, above you? And the people above? Yeah, I've had some people who I swear were practicing nonstop choreographed dance routines at three o'clock in the morning mm. uh yeah and it just kind of feels like you're in a cave <laughs> that, yeah, that's harsh you can get lucky like i did because oh. we had a walkout basement so it oh. wasn't really mostly underground my room was but the main area where the tv and where i was hanging out most of the time was w- there was plenty of sunlight so that's the peak scenario but brendan is right if you're underground all the time yeah it's it, it kind of it can get to you this isn't like the movie Powder. Like, you can go outside anytime that you want. But That's also true. We are allowed to leave our homes now. <laughs> All right. You know, every teen is going to spend at least a little bit of a stint in their parents' basement. But up in Alaska, firefighters were dealing with an uninvited guest in a local's basement that was not a teenager. It was a moose. Firefighters told KY3 News that the moose had been trying to eat some vegetation by the window and uh, fell into it and then fell into the basement through the glass. So what did the first responders do? Well, they trank the moose. Yeah, you're funny, man. But the question is, how do you then get it out of the basement? That was a uh, reference from Anchorman, by the way. Or was it Anchorman? No, what Wait, was what that? Anyways, uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. It was poor. Improvise. <laughs> so how about this? They got a moose in the basement. The responders grab the big transport tarp that's typically used as a stretcher for larger human patients. And once the moose was in the position it was needed to be, how about this? It took six firefighters to carry him through the house and back outside. Turns out this is not the first time something like this has happened. We go back to Colorado in 2020, eerily similar to this story. I was on Vail Pass and I got a call from the cleaning company and they said, are you sitting down? They told me that the cleaning ladies, they're Hispanic, and I don't know if they knew the word for moose in Spanish, but they said grande brown. Grande indeed. 1,200 pounds grande. Basically, the property manager you just met, Noreen Galapa, said Mr. Moose was picking at a bush and then fell through a window well that was covered in snow. And of course, he did not go down gracefully. 
He took out the window, broke a ping pong table, and even... Looks like he checked out every bedroom and pooped in every bedroom. In other words, those rooms are his now. Next, the authorities arrived, tranquilized him, shaved the antlers that actually would have naturally shed this time of year anyway, and then 12 men hoisted him to the front yard, where he eventually got up and went about eating some more shrubbery, as if nothing happened. By the way, I'll say... Alce is what a moose is in Spanish. Just for those who actually took the time to care about that. Uh, That, by the way, from Denver 7, no relation to Denver 8. Both of the moose in this story were just fine at the end of it. That's good. So many takeaways. I love in the story that they use the tarp that's used for bigger people. (laughs) That's That's always a good thing to have at the back of the old pickup truck. And then I love that she's just like, yeah, these Hispanics, they didn't know what it was. It was just grande brown and it pooped all over the plate. Like somebody from Denver 7 has got to be like, lady, can we, you know, gussy this up, class this story up a little bit? Like She did, yeah. I will say, though, that her mom, that lady's mom, they interviewed next, and she said that they actually really thought that the whole thing was funny. They're like, the damage is minimal. It's a great story, and she's like, honestly, it's kind of relaxing to see something so bizarre happen amongst all the craziness of the world. So they actually don't hate the fact that a moose fell through their basement and pooped everywhere, which is good on them. They took, you know, good on them. I'd like to know what Handy Andy would do if he realized that the (laughs) loaf of bread wasn't getting eaten by a rat. It was actually a moose. He's our DIY expert, so he'd probably figure out a way to use robots to shovel up all the debris and get a drone to carry the moose out several drones probably (laughs) Uh, okay by the way we have now sparked conversation into the inbox 877-399-9898 first one says again we're talking about if a hot dog eating contest is actually a sport eating contests are not a sport they are a contest by that standard game shows are also a sport because people train for game shows mentally. This one from Vancouver. Eating competitions make me kind of make me kind of angry. I know I sound like a bleeding heart, but seriously, there are people starving and we are competitively eating. It's really gross. And this one says I'd classify hot dog eating as a quote competition. I like the international spelling bee because that also airs on TSN, I believe. This one talking about the moose. Mm. First you get Elf on a Shelf, then you get Mench on a Bench, then you get Snoop on a Stoop, and now you have a moose in the hoose. Moose in the hoose. Oh, the moose is in the hoose. Like that's that. weak. Yeah. It's no, actually I good. I think that's good. It's good, yeah. but it, it's weak good. So I think hoose. we've gotten away from the fact that the hot dog is not actually a sport, the hot dog competition that is. You know, you know what else? I, I do have access to this. Is I can also just Google this to see if it is distinguished as a sport. So please give me a moment. A sporting event, an event. It can't be a sport, guys. Like poker's not a sport. That's also on ESPN. Jeopardy's not a sport. Yeah. Competitive eating, which can also be called speed eating, is classified as a sport that involves participants competing or who can consume the most amount of food. In a short period of time. That, Where's this uh, coming that, from? That from the Google. TopTrendSports.com. Mm. 
And uh, let's, you know, let's go to the almighty Wikipedia, which we all know is the completely fine place to get all your information. Mm -hmm. Obviously, a little bit of irony on that one. Uh, Contests, uh, activity. Ooh, they say activity here, not a sport. They call it an activity, which it is absolutely an activity. By the way, it was old school, the... uh Will Ferrell thing it. I was trying to that do. Was bugging me Remember too. when Thank the when he got hit that. by the trank dart? You crazy yeah. man! Yes, you crazy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best parts of that movie, by the way. Uh, this one says, "If you're gonna say moose and a hoose, you got to say it with a Canadian accent." Ryan, I think you did. I think you were fantastic. Yeah, you on have that. to moose and a hoose. Okay, great radio. Uh, I, I, I'm a little disappointed that nobody just came out and completely took my side in this. Where they're like, you know, sport, you got to be crazy. I like, I like the guy that's like, you know what? Eating competitions make me angry. <laughs> I don't blame it's He's really, they raise a valid point. Well, fair enough. Okay. But really quickly, we got about two minutes here. If you could enter an eating competition for any one food, Whoa. what food do you think you could actually be competitive at? Easy. Smoked salmon sushi. I could annihilate. I had what I, I could annihilate them. 50, 60 pieces, easy. I, you know what? No chance you could eat 50 to 60 pieces of sushi. I once ate 32 yeah. pierogies in one night, so I feel like oh. I could probably do better with sushi. I'm willing, you know what? I'm willing to pay for 60 pieces of smoked salmon sashimi, and I will have them delivered no, no, to your no, house. No, not, not sashimi, the, with nigiri, with the rice. Oh, with like the rice? Sashimi. That makes it yeah, even worse. Even raising the steaks even more, yeah. Just wow. That I'm, I want to I see you do that. I'm willing to buy an entire tray that will get sent to your house. You've got <laughs> one segment to eat it. Yeah, yeah. I'll turn my microphone off so nobody well, has to fine. hear that. That's fine. You think you could do it? Yeah. I think if it's Tojo's from downtown Vancouver, oh, I but can it's got to be the, if only the finest quality, <laughs> Brendan. Only exactly. the finest quality. <laughs> Stream it on Twitch and maybe ESPN Six will pick it up <laughs> right yeah, after the other bay. sports. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, I, I could do Jello. Jello, Jello. Okay. I love Jello. It's very sweet, though, right? I'm probably I'm probably diabetic. I don't know it. I yeah. eat sugar all the time. I'm uh, like the fly. Mine would be uh, the only thing I really devour and inhale, like. And I probably shouldn't. Is uh, Cliff Bars? Just, just Cliff oh. Bars. Yeah, especially the really white macadamia nut. Version. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, interesting. Huh? But like, how? What's the most amount you've had in like one sitting? Uh, usually, I, I buy like the box. The, the box. It's a smaller yeah. box. It's like the twelve dollar box. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, all right, this is good. I'll have one a day. It'll last me through the week, and then I eat them all when I get home. That's impressive. It's a That's impressive. Or something in there, but still. Yeah. Six cliff bars in one yeah, day? I couldn't do that. Yeah. Oof. That's a lot. Well, That's you run lot. marathons. Yeah, That's then not you a run a half deal. marathon. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Mine just sit in my stomach for the next day. This is the Shift Podcast. All right, it is a shift. Rob Fay filling in for Shane Hewitt. And this is a segment that I've been looking forward to tonight for the simple fact that the person that I'm about to bring on recently came back from Antarctica, which I don't think there's a lot of people that can lay claim to that, at least in recent memory. So Claire Newold, our travel expert, author, travel consultant here on Global BC and president of Travel Best Bets by Jubilee Tours and Travel. Claire, good evening. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm so good, Rob. And you're right. I just came back from Antarctica. It had been on my bucket list for so long and it was a COVID casualty. So it was rescheduled. 
and then rescheduled again, again, and again. So this was our fifth date. So it was to celebrate my husband and I's 25th wedding anniversary and a big birthday. Um, it was all happening in the same year. And now we're two years older, two years longer married. But let me tell you, it was so worth the wait. <laughs> well, first and foremost, congratulations on a few of those things. And uh, I have to ask, I mean, before we get into travel for Canadians and all the situations that we've uh, you know, been watching from 10,000 feet over the last couple of months, I have to ask about Antarctica. For, for example, what's the biggest misconception that you had before you got off the plane and finally got there? I thought it would be a whole lot colder. So you actually go because you're going to the Southern hemisphere to their spring and summer, depending on when you go. So the season only runs typically from November. We were the first uh, sailing that was going with this particular cruise line. And then it runs until about the end of February. And so uh, it really wasn't as cold as I had predicted so I way overpacked and, you know, my son who is studying in Kingston, Ontario, Queen said, mom is colder where I am in Kingston. <laughs> and he, it was, the range was minus three to three degrees above. So there were days where I didn't even wear my gloves. Um, it's, uh, it's very surreal going there. First of all, it's a really long distance. So I live in Vancouver. I had to go over Toronto, then down to Buenos Aires. We had to spend two nights in Buenos Aires before catching a charter flight to Ushuaia, which is the southernmost city in, um, in Argentina. And the ship kind of both embarks and disembarks from there. And then you sail across what's called the Drake Passage. For those who don't know it, it's a thousand kilometer stretch is, and it uh, is really where the Atlantic and Pacific converge of nothingness. You're just going. And we hit some pretty rough waves on the way down. So the crew were saying it was like a five out of 10, but on the way back, it was like an eight out of 10. My husband, when it hit the like 35 foot waves, Rob, and my husband was going, wow, this is like deadliest catch. I kind of got a bit nervous, I have to say. <laughs> but overall, uh, we didn't get seasick. A lot of people did. But once you're actually there and seeing the penguins and the amazing albatross and the other seabirds that are there, the seals and just the nothingness, you know, you, if, if you can imagine a place that is virtually all black and white, other than potentially the blues of some of the sea ice changing colors. Um, maybe some of the animals have a bit of gray or brown, but no garbage, no light, no buildings other than any buildings I saw, I took a picture of. They're basically research stations. You never saw them. Everything glaciated or snow covered other than a few peaks or right where you would go off the Zodiac to a landing site, there might be some rocks exposed. But coming back to reality from that, was quite almost not difficult, but it was uh, for the census. It was a bit of a shock because all of a sudden you get across the Drake passage back and hitting Ushuaia again and seeing buildings and hearing noises. I mean, we saw a whale about, you know, we saw them really close to the ship, but maybe 200 meters away and we could still hear it breathe because there's no sound pollution. It was cool. Wow. What a picture yeah. you paint. I mean, that is uh that is extraordinary. You know, that's not a trip for everybody. Some people, I think, no. might get a little overwhelmed by that, no? Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I think um, the vast majority of the people were probably age 50 to 70. And 
most had done a lot of traveling. So this wasn't something that they were just doing because it was on their list before a lot of other places like knocking Machu Picchu off their bucket list or going to say maybe the pyramids or the Great Wall of China or um, even destinations in um, Europe that are so popular, you know, but this was for me, it was one of those places that I really wanted to knock off my bucket list. It also meant that I was walking on the seventh continent, my last continent. So it was a big big moment for me. Oh, I almost get a, a, a lump in my throat when I say that. Like it was very surreal for me. And I felt very lucky to be there. You know, we hit the 8 billion mark uh, of population in the world when my husband and I were down there and less than a million people have seen Antarctica and been there. So for us, it was really cool. You know, I have to ask this as a foodie and I, I'm going to take you all around here. It's my last question about Antarctica, but I remember yeah. when somebody took me up to the glacier by Banff, they said, you have to put something in the water and put some scotch in it because it will taste different because of the water. What was something maybe from a food or beverage perspective that you had where you were there where maybe it just tasted different or it was a little more authentic or it was just surreal to you? Was there a, a moment that you had culinary wise that uh, kind of raised your eyebrows? You know, the um, the ship itself did a really great job of highlighting, you know, Argentinian food and, and things, because of course there's nothing in Antarctica. No people live there permanently, just researchers. And it's a really special place. Um, and I think everything was heightened, whatever we were eating and drinking, because there was so little else for the senses. So when we're sitting up on the observation deck and taking in the glacier and the sea and um, the very few animals that you would be able to see at any given time. We, the tea that I was drinking, just, just a peppermint tea, green tea was just tasted. To me, it tasted different. Everything yes. did. Um, the cocktail that I was drinking as I'm looking out the window, it was, it was just a, a, a time where you just, everything sunk in a little more. And I think for me uh, as a traveler, like, I feel like I really am a traveler. I want people to go and see the world. I believe that, you know, the world's a book and you have to read every page. And when I was in Antarctica, it was um, really special because it's not, it's not anyone's country. It's, there's an Antarctic treaty and all the countries who want to be part of that sign it. It's really for research. And if there's a Argentinian or a Russian or a U.S. research station, it doesn't matter. You can, the researchers would go without question. It's there for, um, and I love the fact, so it's, it's really a testament to peace and what it can be, but it's also a testament to, um, to what, you know, you can do as a, as a traveler in the way of making sure it stays the way it is. So you're not taking in any garbage. You're not leaving anything except your footprints. It's, it's a special place. Um, again, like you, I said, it's not for everybody. Um, it's a bit of a harrowing journey. If you live in Vancouver or even Toronto to get there because you're going so far South. Um, if you're not, you know, up for the cold, that's, that's definitely something if you're not up for the, some potential big waves or weather to change quickly, it's not for you, but it is an unbelievable trip and one that my husband and I will for sure remember forever. Claire Newell is our travel expert. And I think that's an understatement during this conversation. Claire, before we get into um, everything going on here in Canada and travel and all that stuff, I have to ask you, I always think to myself, there are dream jobs and then there are dream jobs. 
How did you ever decide that this was what you wanted to do and, and make such a neat career out of it? You know, um, it, it kind of, it was one of those situations where I had graduated from university. I was 21 and I had planned to go to law school. I'd been accepted and I ha- was with my family on a, on a vacation. My, just a bit of background. My dad was a surgeon. My mom had her, had her, a, a family business and we'd emigrated from Scotland. So we really didn't have a lot of family. So every single break that there was, particularly school breaks, summer, Christmas break, spring break, our family would go on a vacation. My dad had a super high stress job and it was our way of getting away. So I owe the travel bug to my family. They really instilled it in me. But when we were on a vacation between my, um, or while I was in my fourth year of university and had already been accepted to, to further my, my education, we met a gentleman. I met his daughter and then, of course, got introduced to, to the dad. And he owned one of the largest hotel wholesaling companies in London. So I went and spent a summer there. And I came back to two very educated parents. You know, one has a teaching degree, one has, was a surgeon and said, um, I'd like to start my own business. And I have deferred law school and I can always go back. <laughs> and, and I've really never looked back. Uh, I After... Um, you know, starting the business. And then uh, I, I had the opportunity to go on, uh, do a television segment. And they asked me back the next week and the next week. And then another station asked me to come over there. And and that's kind of where I've been for the past almost 30 years, Rob. I hate saying that. It really Isn't ages crazy? me. crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And it started once a week. And now it's five times a week. And I'm uh, on CKW radio uh, three times a week, plus a couple of segments um, that are longer. So it's really been, it's really developed. I I wrote a book way back when my son was in grade one back in 2008, seems like a long time ago. Um, he's now in third year university, if that gives you any indication of how long ago, but things just, uh, kind of, it, it rolled out and played out. Uh, I got the opportunity to host a really cool show called Operation Vacation, 30 episodes of it that gave away trips to, to people who otherwise couldn't travel uh, for various reasons. And that was kind of a fun thing. But at the core of what I do uh, in the travel business is actually still my favorite. And it, if I don't know if you're a fisherman or if a woman's listening and, you know, scores a great deal on a great pair of shoes. And, you know, it's kind of the, the kill, <laughs> if, that's, if I can say that on radio. Um, I hunt for the deals and I love to be able to share them and then have people go on them that maybe otherwise thought they couldn't because maybe it is a deal for them and then come back and tell me how amazing it was. That's the real joy in it for me. Well, you've become such an authority on it that when I bring up these topics, which we're about to get into Canadian travel, um, I'm very curious to know what your thoughts are, because right now uh, there's a suggestion by some that this coming holiday season could be an absolute nightmare. uh, And maybe even in advance of that, is that just uh, is that just because we're a little scorned by the year that was where we saw, you know, Lester B. Pearson and some of the airports in Canada get the designation of worst airport on earth or is there some truth that this could be a real tough season for travelers locally? Oh, I hate to say it, but I think there is a possibility it could be tough. Um, there are some things that you can do to, to prevent it. But the things that come to mind, what, why I think it could be a bit of a an issue is the airports and the airlines. Labor shortages is still a concern. 
And the other thing is, is that we live in Canada and sometimes we get weather related issues around the holidays where there's a domino effect and it, um, it, you know, both the airports and the airlines can run into trouble with that. The other thing is, is there's a number of other players, you know, we know the legacy carriers here in Canada, the, the Air Canada and the WestJet. And we also know um, charter lines like Sunwing and Transat. But oh, since the pandemic, we have had a number of smaller airlines swoop, Canada Jetlines, Flair, Lynx, um, that have come to the table. So it's, mean, it's meant more flights going out of some of the airports. So things could get a little bit uh, tough. And after summer, when you were here, you know, June, July, August, where luggage was going missing and airports were really crowded, it does scare uh, people who work in the travel industry like me uh, of the, the what ifs. So uh, one of the things that I've been telling everybody, first of all, because the passport offices have also been tough. If you are planning to travel over the holidays, it's getting close. You need to double check that your passport hasn't expired. And if it has, get it in ASAP. Um, I know that the passport offices have mentioned that they are going to be increasing the number of people to maintain the current levels that they've got in place. So they know there's going to be this rush prior to the holidays and they're doing what they can because uh, it was rough for the passport offices. People were sleeping overnight, certain outlets. So um, do that. The other thing is, is that if you don't have to check a bag, make sure that you, if you can, just take carry on. I would have done that to Antarctica, but the stuff's so bulky that we did check a bag. It did make it both ways. Um, but, you know, I've gone on a trip for two and a half weeks to South Africa and I only went carrying. You can do it. You just have to pare down, maybe wash a few things in the sink, but it's, it's worth it. Um, the other thing is, is that take advantage of some of the things that uh, some of the um, security line express tools that have been implemented across a few of the airports in Canada. If you do have uh, travel plans through either Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, or Montreal. So what this is, is that you can make appointments that, that you can do in advance, even up to 72 hours in advance up to your departure. If you forget and you get to the airport, even up to an hour and 15 minutes before a scheduled flight, you can actually do this. But uh, you put in your information and you book a spot and then you show up within 15 minutes of that time. And you go through security. Now, I have heard a couple of people, to be honest, uh, Rob, that have said, I did this at YVR, Claire, like you told me, but it didn't really give me any advantage. So I went back and I asked, well, was it busy at the airport? And they said no. And so if it's not busy, they may just put you in the regular security lineup. But if it's not and you do have that QR code and they've got a special line set up for you, you'll be glad you did it. So if you're traveling over the holidays, do that as well. I was going to ask you just as a final wrap up question here, Claire, we talk about the staffing at airports and I know that it's, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to get mad at these young guys that have been thrown into the fire, young ladies as well. Um, they've been put into security positions. Obviously they're coming in during the summer. They're coming in during Christmas, the training, it's going to take them a while to get up to speed. I think we have to show a little bit of compassion at these airports because as they try to repopulate their staff, our expectation as a traveler remains high. We want to get through quickly, we want to be able to get rested, relax, get on the plane. But we have to understand that as this evolves, that the training and the quality of service might still lack at certain airports. 
Oh my God, Rob, I could kiss you through the, the phone. And the reason is, is that it's so important for people to remember this. And that reminder will go a long, long way. I still have people who say, oh, I just got back from a trip and it was nothing like I had ex- uh, experienced pre-COVID. Well, I, I keep thinking to myself and I say, you shouldn't have expected it to be anything like it was pre-COVID. Times have changed. So many people left the travel industry. It was hit harder than any other industry. And these aren't positions that, you know, you can hire somebody and throw them into the field the next day. These are trained positions and some of them take a lot of time. You know, first you have to get good at it and then you get fast. So if you're dealing with a little bit slower security screener or, um, or customs official, it's because they might not be as good yet to, you know, and so they're not quite as fast. So they're doing the job the best they can. The same thing goes with people who are checking you in at the airport. And, and this goes with really across the board as far as travel is concerned. It's not just airports, airlines, it's hotels, it's restaurants. Um, all along the way, uh, the whole travel and tourism industry in general has had a really rough time. So um, just, I would say not to, to shoot the messenger in or along the way, because those people are showing up. And, you know, that's, uh, that's tough, especially when they're facing people who are potentially going to be traveling over the holidays. They're already pretty stressed out. They hate, you know, they're not as patient as they potentially could be. So pack your patience is a, is a really, really important uh, reminder for people going forward. It is the holiday season after all that's coming up. Yes. I love that. Pack your patience. Well said, Claire. Thank you. Um, thank you <laughs> for your so. time. It is such a pleasure to finally get to do this face to face. But more than anything, thank you for the advice and congratulations. 25 years is a pretty big deal. So birthdays aside, <laughs> uh, 25 years. Congratulations. And please, let's do this again sometime. I would love it, Rob. Thanks for having me. This is the Shift Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to Disco Andy. Ah, yes, the platform shoes, the checkered tight pants. Andy, good evening. How are you today? I'm great, Rob. It's great to chat with you again. Yes, it is. I was actually mentioning just before the show started. I said I like it when I see familiar names from the last time that I was hanging out doing the shift. So uh, welcome back and thank you for having me. Uh, fill in the blanks on this story, though. I, I, an insider has told me that I've got to ask you about a mouse hole. <laughs> the struggle is real, Rob. So I'll, I'll take you back. I've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks because I've had this this issue in, at my house. So it all started when one day I noticed that this loaf of bread that I keep right beside my toaster, that there was a small hole in it in the back. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I by accident when I brought it in from the grocery store, I put this hole in. Then the second loaf, I noticed another hole. By the third loaf, I'm like, something is up. How is this hole suddenly appearing? And there's missing bread in the back of this loaf. Hmm. So I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, am I going crazy or, or is there a ghost in my house? So I had an epiphany, Rob. One day I was like, <laughs> why don't I use a smart indoor camera, set it up. It's got motion detection. It's got night vision. I'm going to set it up right out and face this loaf. And if anybody wants to see this, go to my website right now, handyandymedia.com. 
go to the blog section. I made a whole video about this because I was so puzzled. What is going on? So I set this camera up before I go to bed when, and I arm it and I go to bed. The next morning I wake up, Rob, to get my coffee. And sure enough, there is all these notifications on my phone for video clips. So I make sure I get my coffee, I'm drinking it, and I'm watching these videos. And I watch this little mouse crawl up onto the counter, and it's just nibbling on all of this bread. No way. Once I saw that, Rob, once you see a mouse eating food that's on your kitchen countertop, nothing else matters in the world. That is all I could think of. I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. I was like, I got to find where this mouse is coming from. So... I used that indoor camera and I put it underneath. I had a little kickboard underneath my kitchen cabinets and I sit, I, I, I placed it there for the next night. And again, I saw this mouse crawling up from there. So now I know what's coming from underneath my kitchen cabinets. Then I have to find out where. So for the next like week, every night, Rob, I'm setting up this camera, trying to narrow down where this mouse is coming from. And through just logical deduction of watching this mouse, and you can watch all these videos. I, I I'm watching as my... we speak. <laughs> you can see this mouse is going everywhere. Here's the funny thing that I noticed about this camera. The one that I used is called the Blink Indoor Mini Camera. Amazon bought this company, so they're really into the smart security cameras. Mm-hmm. And and this camera, when it this is what I learned when I was watching this mouse. When it detects motion, it makes this little tiny clicking noise and it startles the mouse. So you'll see him come up, he gets startled and he runs away. But by checking and using this camera every day, I'm getting closer and closer. My friends are on this group chat. They're all trying to figure out, is Andy going to find this mouse? And I determined that it's coming from behind my dishwasher. So then I have to pull my dishwasher out and you'll see it. There is this massive hole where the the cable comes out of the the back and that is where the mouse was coming from. So then it just turned into a how-to video as well where I can show you how you can fill a hole to prevent a mouse from coming in. And so what I used is steel wool. I shoved that into the hole and then I used that insulating foam that you can spray that kind of, you know, insulates any kind of gaps. And then I cut it. And now the problem is solved. All thanks to a smart security camera. That that little epiphany idea I had saved me weeks and weeks of turmoil of trying to catch this mouse. You know, Andy, I don't mean to tell you how to do your job. Like, I'm watching this video, and it's obviously that you've put in some work. Like, I, I'm looking at the steel wool. I'm looking at all the caulking that you've used. I think you should just get a python. <laughs> like, let's well, just I'll, get a snake into the equation and fix this all once and for all. He'll figure out where that rat's coming from or that mouse. By the way, it is a mouse, and it's very cute, the big round ears. You know, you know what was funny? When I was making the video, I was like, I need some music. So I went on and got on YouTube, and I ripped an old Looney Tunes song, you know, when they used to have just instrumental music in the cartoons. I'm watching this. Like, this is I unbelievable. Like, I I was like, I wonder if like it's going to get flagged by the YouTube music algorithm. And then I was like, you know, this music is so old. I bet you they never used it. And this is when they made original like compositions for cartoons, right, to match what was going on. And, and it worked. So I got this Looney Tunes music of a mouse. It was some mouse cartoon that I found. Uh, it's in the background, and I got through that YouTube algorithm. I'm always trying to bypass <laughs> the music. This is what I do for my for kids trying to in my the life. Man. I'm trying to beat the youth. Yeah. All, and I know all the different algorithms for all the different social media and which ones are better at blocking music and how to bypass it. Sometimes I'll mix another song or make clicks to 
wreck the hour. This is what I do in my spare time. You know, I, I don't have much of a life. I if guess. you're if you're listening, by the way, you can go to Facebook and and just uh, find Handy Andy Media. I'm not lying to you. It's the best 433 video that you're going to find anywhere <laughs> on the internet right now. Um, <laughs> I want to switch gears because I know that you're a jack of all trades. I could sit here, by the way, with the mouse in the house segment the whole time. But I want to really quickly touch on something that I didn't realize till I was getting ready for the show today. Thank you, Ryan, and thank you. A- am I reading this right? One billion, with a B, one billion teens and young adults risk hearing loss from listening devices. Yes, I was baffled when I saw this. This is a recent study that came out. One billion young people. So we have eight billion people on earth right now. So one in eight is at risk from hearing loss because of these listening devices. And what it is, is if you look at all these headphones that we have, we have truly wireless earbuds now that you can wear. Well, these things get really loud. And what, what do young people like to do? They like to listen to loud music. But what they don't really realize is that you basically have two massive speakers inside your ears. And kids are right now listening as high as 105 decibels. For context, a normal conversation that like we're having, Rob, is about 60 decibels. So they're listening to that for long periods of time. And what they're estimating now is in the future, you're going to have an entire generation of young people who are going to have hearing difficulties. And if you don't believe me, ask any old time rocker, you know, who's still performing. A lot of them have hearing loss and that's why they have to stop performing because they just, they've been in that loud environment. Anytime a a rock concert or those kind of environments as well have decibel ranges from 104 to 112. So when you combine that people are listening to loud music with earbuds and going to concerts and listening to loud music, it's just a matter of time before they're going to have uh, hearing problems. And that's, that's why they're predicting about 1 billion people worldwide are going to have some type of hearing problems in the future. I'm the opposite. I, I hear everything. Like, for example, I actually use the noise-canceling um, headphones because of all the distractions around me. Like, for example, if my wife snores, I hear it right away. If somebody's banging the drum two doors down, I hear it right away. Like, I have noise sensitivity issues. So we talk about lo- loss of hearing, but I also think it could work the other way with people who are, are now so sensitive to sound that anything could potentially be a problem. Yeah, well, they, they're starting to notice that some of the earbuds are so good that they actually can be used as listening, to, like hearing aids. Absolutely. Like professional hearing aids. Because the, what they do is they can fine-tune the algorithm to, to pick up certain noises. So you could actually hear like a distant conversation, like say at another table with these earbuds. So oh, they're, they're rivaling. They're rivaling um, the, the professional hearing aids that, that – people have used for a long time in fact the hearing aids now are have like bluetooth capabilities so they're learning a lot from the earbuds but you know it 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 is i think going to be a problem i actually reviewed a pair from beats the beats uh fit pro these are made for when when you're working out and i rob i listen to music all the time when i'm at the gym and i started to be more cognizant of it i'm like you know I do get into the in, like into the mode when I'm listening to loud music, but it's not sustainable. You know, you got to turn it down. So they recommend if you look at the 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 volume on your earbuds, they say go about 60%. Do not go over 60% if you want to have good hearing 
uh, in the future. And so I think that's a really good tip. A lot of people don't realize. And young people, we have to tell, I, this is when I feel like I'm getting old because you got to tell young people to turn it down, turn the music down. You're going to ruin your ears. But it's true. And the data shows. And because of these earbuds, I think this will be a serious problem in the future unless they the companies themselves put a limit on it, but they're trying to compete with everybody. So they amplify the bass and they give you all these controls. But unfortunately, those controls are going to result into hearing loss in the near future. All right, Andy, a couple of things in the inbox. I'll tell you one thing. Nobody wants to live with uh, tinnitus. I've been suffering with this since I was eight years old due to a childhood accident. I'm now 62 and it is getting louder every year. Angel says the conspiracy is that Bluetooth gives you brain cancer. In a minute or less, have you heard anything along those lines, Andy? No, but if that's the case, we are all doomed because uh, Bluetooth is everywhere. You can just go onto your phone and look at Bluetooth devices and you'll see everything around you that has Bluetooth. So hopefully that's not true. Rob Fay hanging out with Handy Andy here. I got a couple more minutes with him. And uh, Andy, I will say this. Between Black Friday and Cyber Monday, I'm broke. I went out and bought a couple of things, but what were some of the Cyber Monday things as we put a bow on Cyber Monday just minutes from now that you look back on and say, you know what, that was something you probably should have gone out and gotten? Well, I, I think a lot of these Cyber Monday deals are just going to keep extending. You know, it's just like Black Friday turned into a week, Cyber Monday and Black Friday. This is probably going to turn to a month long sale. I, you know, just with the economic outlook, Rob, I think a lot of these companies are trying to get rid of their inventory. So don't be surprised that these, a lot of these deals extend, uh, after tomorrow and, and onwards. Um, but one really good one that I, that I love, and I'm actually bought this is a lot of people, if you have a Dyson vacuum, what you'll notice is after a couple of years, it just doesn't have that same power. You know, it doesn't, it can't last as long. And for a lot of people, they, you know, they'll just upgrade to a new Dyson. However, you can buy this adapter and I have it on my website, handyandymedia.com. Go to the blog section. You'll see a list here. It's an adapter, Rob, where you could put a DeWalt battery onto it, a 20-volt battery. So if you want to get some serious power to your Dyson vacuum, this little adapter will let you retrofit it with one of these high-powered DeWalt batteries. So if you have one already for your drill, you can still use it with your Dyson. Awesome, and it only costs about $34 to uh, get this little adapter to hook on onto your Dyson vacuum. That's a good I, – I will tell you this, just full disclosure. I bought two things. I bought one of those um, – what are they called? Uh, light bulb camera. I got that for a pretty good deal, which I thought is pretty good. I could put it at the front door. And then yep. the other thing that I got is a foot filter. You put it on the bottom of your feet. I guess it's got some charcoal in it or something like that. And uh, it helps detoxify when you have stress, low, en- low energy or anxiety. So we'll see how those go. It's actually apparently pretty disgusting when you peel it off your foot, but all of the black that's on the pad is actually your stuff that you've detoxed from your body. Wow. So there you go, Andy. And I should make wow. a video about that and see if the mouse tries to steal some of those. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, you know what? I, you talk about inventory very quickly before we get on to Elon Musk here. Um, I, I know that certain places now, you don't have to carry inventory, but I feel like places like Future Shop, Best Buy, these places, you're right. They're going to extend right now because I got a sneaking suspicion that Black Friday and Cyber Monday weren't as hot as maybe previous years because people weren't going out as much as they previously did. And they're probably sitting on a boatload of inventory. I, I agree. And, you know, when I went to select what products I was going to talk about for Cyber Monday, I only 
pick products that will actually add value to people's life because times are tough. I understand with inflation, you don't buy things that you don't need with money you don't have. And, you know, the ones that I had picked, like, for example, there's another one. It's a little flash disk. If you have an iPhone, you typically run out of storage really quickly. And Apple wants you to upgrade to the new uh, iCloud, get more storage, pay for more online storage. But this is a little flash drive and it has a lightning connector on one side. So you connect that to your phone Mm. and you download an app. And you just take all your video files and you can move it onto this little flash drive. Then on the other side, you can connect it to your laptop and literally drag and drop, move all those files. Then you can delete everything off your iPhone without having to use the Apple cloud storage. Genius. It costs about $72 for 256 gigabytes. So again, if people want this, go to my website. It is This makes a great gift for any iPhone user. They will hug you and kiss you till the cows go home because it's such a valuable tool for iPhone users. Again, my website, Handy Andy Media. Go to the blog section. You'll see the Cyber Monday deals. Right on the top is a link to buy that. Um, it's a must-have gadget for wow. anybody who has an iPhone. What a great idea. I didn't know about that until you just mentioned that. That is something I guarantee I will buy. Uh, Andy, I got about a minute here for this last one. Elon Musk apparently coming out with color-coded verification systems on Twitter, and they're going to roll out in the next week? Yeah, it's going to be on Friday. So his little uh, blue check that he tried to roll out a couple of weeks ago didn't go well because there was so many imposters, but he's going to make three different colors. One for individuals like famous people, journalists, that'll be blue. He's going to have another one for for corporations that will be, I believe, gray or no, sorry, that'll be gold for companies and then gray for government. So three different types of colors, but he still wants everybody to pay eight bucks. One thing I don't know, Rob, is if <laughs> if the famous people, if he's going to take that check away and say, you need to pay eight bucks. I, he said he was going to do that, but I don't know if he will. We'll have to see. What an interesting time to be around. I I, I like the whole Elon Musk thing. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. It's a little bizarre. Like, you know what? The Kanye stuff I can absorb, the Trump stuff I can absorb. I just don't know how Elon got into this mess. I, I genuinely feel, and I wish we had more time to talk about this, that he didn't want it. And now he's got it yeah. and he's just beta testing in real time, which... I agree. I agree. It's like someone rent, uh, renovating their home that never wanted to buy a home. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to describe it. Andy, hopefully we'll do this again. I know that I'm filling in over the next couple of weeks here and there. So hopefully our, our paths cross. And thank you for this. And I am off to go to your website so that I can get the information and buy that hard drive. Thank you for doing this, fella. My pleasure, Rob. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.